0: So you want to be a dungeon master.
1: That's great. We're here to help. I'm Taylor. And I'm Justin. This week, we're going to be covering the basics of combat. Combat is probably one of the most important parts of D and d Maybe not most important, but definitely the most mechanically heavy.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, most of the rules in on your character sheet and stuff are going to apply in combat more than anywhere else. Yeah.
0: A hundred percent. This is the part of it that I think feels the most like a video game. Just kind of like there's like a lot of mechanics. There's a lot of rules. Numbers come up, rolling of dice, almost every single turn. Math. Some strategy, some planning, uh, teamwork. You might get maps and like tokens, which is a whole nother conversation. <laughs> um, whether you're playing in person or virtually. Most of the time, there's maps. I know we talked about Theater of the Mine at Mm. one point, but, like, mostly. Um, But it's all combat. Combat is, yeah, probably, like, I'd say maybe on a scale of 1 to 100, probably, like, 40% of the game, depending on the table. Uh, Yeah, I think it
1: depends on the table. Uh, The table that I run is, like, 60.
0: Okay, there you go. I see. Well, I guess it depends on what the other categories are (laughs) when you're deciding. Well, I mean, I'm
1: thinking uh, RP versus combat. I definitely, if it's it's like that, definitely do more. Like we will have, we have a combat every session. Okay. We have multiple combats every session. Oh, wow.
0: See? Yeah. I couldn't be me. (laughs) Yeah. I like, I like a little role play. I try and get into, um, depending on the game, try and get into combats for, uh, as many times as it feels necessary, but, and sometimes it feels like combat is so important because like. Sometimes it's the way to propel the story forward. It's like the combat is how you take down the bad guy. So, like, without the combat, how are you taking down the bad guy? And not to say that roleplay can't fill those shoes sometimes, and maybe with smaller bad guys. But I have this
1: character sheet with all these fun little moves
0: on it that I want to use. Exactly. And that's why we're getting into combat this episode. But first.
1: Uh, Yeah, first, though. First,
0: though, I just want to talk about because it's going to come up in combat, mm-hmm. it's going to be something that people experience. So, even people who tangentially are aware of D are familiar with what a nat 20 is, or maybe a nat one. Mm-hmm. And that's like you're rolling your D sided or D sided, goodness gracious, Justin, your D sided 20? dice, your D 20. I combined all uh, the words, all of them. Uh, you're rolling a D 20. <laughs> And you're getting the highest number or the lowest number on that dice, which is very important in D&D. During combat, it's referred to as a critical success or a critical failure. Obviously, respectively, 20 being the highest. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You're trying to hit big numbers. This isn't golf.
1: Big big numbers, big numbers, yeah.
0: (laughs) Normally, for a critical success, you're looking for doubling the damage that you can dish out, Mm -hmm. not including modifiers. So it's the dice rolled. Now, some people will, let's say my damage, I hit, I rolled a natural 20 on my attack roll. My damage is 1d6, normally, plus like strength or dex. Now, because I got a nat 20, now I can roll this d6 twice instead of just once. And then add my strength or dex or whatever. Mm -hmm. Therefore, doing much more damage than normal. Not necessarily twice as much damage, twice as much dice. Very specific.
1: Yeah. Although, I think I've played at a table where they've done... You just roll the dice and then double that. So, like, if it's 1d8 damage, you would roll 1d8 and you got a 7. Then you got 14 plus your modifier.
0: Oh, yeah. No doubt. At my table, I usually leave it up to the person who rolled the nat 20.
1: I mean... Whatever yeah. way
0: they feel more comfortable with. I think, like, this is the one time... Or like Because it's not me. If I, Justin... We talked about that on the last episode with mm. rolling advantage versus disadvantage. Mm. <laughs> I'm rolling one dice. I'm just rolling it multiple times. I even do that sometimes for big spells. Fireball, I'm sitting there with 1d6, and I'm just rolling over and over and over.
1: Oh, jeez.
0: Not always. That's crazy.
1: That, yeah.
0: <laughs> but sometimes.
1: No, again, I bought, all, I bought all these dice. I'm using all of these dice. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs>
0: Honestly, fair. Um, but then we have critical failures. So this is a natural one. You rolled the worst you could possibly roll. Congratulations, you failed. Great job. What that just means at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what modifiers you're adding. It doesn't matter if you're adding 15, 16 to this roll. A natural 1 is an automatic miss for yep. combat. Yep. Not necess- this isn't necessarily true for ability checks. So if during combat you're Rolling a stealth check. Uh, at least rules is written. I mean, rules that's is table written by table.
1: Yeah, there are no critical successes or critical failures when it comes to ability checks. It's just exactly. a one or a twenty. In your heart, right. though, in your heart, though, you know. In your
0: heart, you failed. Um, <laughs> so then, yeah, your automatic miss. No matter what your modifiers are, no matter what you're adding to that, you miss. And then some tables, and I'm not a big fan of this, some personally. Mm -hmm. every every table can have a little different you can add a little flavor i love that this just isn't my flavor you know what i mean yeah this is rum raisin for me personally not for me but (laughs) some people do like a failure table where like not only did you roll the nat one and missed but you when you shot your crossbow and missed with the nat one you accidentally shot your friend or something like that or maybe you damaged yourself or something so, and I'm always just like I'm not a fan yeah I, haven't I found one that I liked and that's you know what I mean this is based on my personal so, experience I haven't seen one that I liked
1: here table, I mean yeah 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 so here's here's my thing about that like I I don't necessarily hate the idea of the added effect um because actually when I was doing 3.5 um that was just kind of a homebrew thing that we did just to kind of raise the stakes a little bit um, right. It wasn't a big thing. It was generally you just take some damage, and you know everybody's like level five. It's I would be rolling one or two d4 or something like that, something stupid. But the big thing that I have with the tables is that it just it takes so long to do, it, because That's combat really true. combat already takes a long time, and then this is adding something else that takes more time. And it's one thing if you're like, okay, cool. You, you doing that one, as long as you can like narratively say what happened, like, you know, oh, my crossbow misfired and it plinged off the, uh, the stone wall and came back and shot me in the leg or something like that. You know, I would make it narratively make sense. It wouldn't just be an arbitrary, oh, well you did blah, blah, blah damage. Or, you know, you swing and miss and your friends right there. You know that kind of narratively makes sense almost, mm-hmm. but it would never. It would just be that little kind of thing, and then you would take your damage, and we move on with the fight. Because again, I've okay. got six people at this table right now. We're all trying to fight like twenty things. I have so many other things to worry about right now than this. You're stupid. Then your stupid one. <laughs> just, okay. just one more tab yep. open on the just, computer. Just, like, oh, I can't even read the titles. Yeah, <laughs> you just, just pick your, pick your dice up and move along. We're we're going. Exactly. Sorry about speaking, your luck. Moving on.
0: Speaking of moving on, mm-hmm. let's get into the freaking topic. Let's
1: do it. All right.
0: Yeah. Uh, you had mentioned how long it takes, and I kind of wanted to just start there, if that's okay. Yeah, for sure. Both like. Logistically, like in real life, combat takes a while. Mm -hmm. Something for everyone to just know. So when you're planning your session, and we'll get into prep on a different episode in detail, but when you're preparing an episode or like a session Mm -hmm. of D and D, and you're the DM, you got to think about combat and like where it falls in the in the session and how long you're supposed to be playing that night with the agreed upon times. Right. But in D and D. Like in the world, you're the little
1: character. It is fast. Yeah. It's very real fast. fast. It's very fast. Each turn is supposed to equivalent to that. It's not a word. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm so glad you caught it. It's
1: not a word. I've, I've,
0: I felt bad saying yeah, anything. No. And then I was like,
1: I don't know where that came from. I try to do like equiv It's like equivalent there we go. Each, that's, (laughs) that's how each round is equivalent to six seconds. So that means everybody in the initiative order on that one round, that is six seconds of real time. Yep. But
0: it's fast. It's really fast. And think about that. That's everybody's turn. So Mm -hmm. it's not just like what, I mean, it is like what your personal character can do in six seconds, but while your character, the idea, at least in my head is like, While your character is doing that six seconds of actions and bonus actions, Mm -hmm. the other characters are also doing their actions and bonus actions. All at the same time. Right. Like, that's what's happening in, in like, in the world if you Mm -hmm. put yourself in the minds of the characters. However, outside of that, again, in the real world, it is turn-based combat. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So, yeah, there's something Taylor mentioned, initiative, the initiative order. That is a perfect kickoff point because that's how you determined the list of who goes first, who goes second, uh what's on third, why's on second. You know what I mean? And then <laughs> I don't know. You're going to <laughs> 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 you're <gonna> get to Then you're going to get to sort of like, all right, the whoever rolled the highest on initiative, which is normally Just your dex modifier, dexterity modifier, Mm -hmm. unless you have some sort of feat or uh, clothing or a reason
1: that... There's some class abilities that'll give it to.
0: A hundred percent. So then that'll give you a nice little boost. But yeah, that just determines who goes first in the order. And then you go one by one down the list and each character goes, and then it goes back to the top. And that will have been one round, which Mm -hmm. is again, six seconds.
1: Now, inevitably, when you are rolling for a very large group of monsters and players there's gonna you're gonna have ties ties are gonna come up you're gonna have to figure out know how to break them um usually the best way to do it in my opinion is whoever has the higher dexterity goes first um the the actual ability score not the modifier because if you go by modifier there's even more chance of matching again and then um if they do match then you can do a roll off and basically both of them roll a D 20 and whoever's got the highest score goes first. Pretty yeah. simple.
0: And if they tie again, then they have to kiss. Yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. 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 Don't do that. Absolutely. Don't do that.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's whatever your table's down for. I mean, if they your tables into it, then, you know,
0: as long as there's consent, I suppose, Yeah. you know, ride that pony. But now there's an interesting little thing that I think is interesting. Cause I, I said interesting twice. But um I don't think that the rules cover it specifically. And that's kind of like when you as a DM ask for initiative. Yeah. And obviously the easy answer is you do it at the start of combat. But when is combat actually starting? And I think that for me the idea is like it's when both sides know that combat is happening. <laughs> that's when combat starts and that's when I ask for initiative normally. You know what I mean? So sometimes you can surprise the other the other bad guys and you can have everybody roll initiative and then do a surprise like condition mm-hmm. round. Or you can maybe get let them get their attacks off first.
1: I'll like, generally or maybe just the yeah. first
0: person or yeah, where are you at?
1: I, I'll generally do um a the first punch. Whenever the first punch is thrown, that's when initiative kicks off. Either side. That makes sense. Um and then and that you're saying
0: like, if they, if when the first punch goes off, as in like one party is surprised
1: either, or, um, you know, if it's a definite hostile conflict, then yeah, I guess whenever they it's, I guess if it's on site, you just fucking know, but generally right. Cause sometimes, one, it is. sometimes it's like, yeah, but like generally <laughs> breaks down the door yeah, and says, let's fight <laughs> generally it's, it'll be one side will make an attack. Whether it be under surprise mm-hmm. or not, it, it do, like whenever that attack comes. That's that's the start of initiative for me. It gets yeah. kind of weird doing things that way, um, just because of I've had a couple of times where like somebody will th- say that they throw a punch and then ro- roll poorly on initiative, and then like their turn will come up and the game board is completely different than it was when the initiative first started. Right. Um. And then that get leads to some not you know some some interesting little combos. Um. Uh, the way I wound up ruling it is that the first attack, if it's as as long as it's like a sneak attack, like surprise thing, that first attack yeah. from the first player is they're they're doing that, and then they are also in the surprise round. Gotcha. So gotcha, gotcha. they'll t- technically get two turns. Very cool.
0: Yeah, I love trying to get the jump on people if I'm ever the, oh, yeah, for the pleasure sure. of being that's, a PC. That's the best. Done it once or twice as a DM. That's a fun too. <laughs> that could be fun too. Um, sometimes I won't, for if I'm the DM and I'm doing it, sometimes, I yeah, I'll, I'll just count it as the first attack usually. Mm-hmm. What it's like one, unless it's like very specifically like an attack that others in the group wouldn't notice, you know? Right. Like if I can, if one character is on uh, like a scout thing and they like, drift from the group and i can like put them to sleep then Ooh, I, maybe, maybe an initiative doesn't happen until they find <laughs> out but like that's not often we'll say fingers crossed knock on wood <laughs> don't tell my D group
1: hey hold on a second now don't you have a yeah like,
0: <laughs> next sunday and i'll just be like yeah you see a weird light off in the distance you feel like you should leave the group <laughs> <laughs> Cal, do you want to do that? Can you leave the group? <laughs> You're like, I man, no, you've already used me. To, game, to, you've already used I me to betray like... my
1: friends once, man. Very true. <laughs>
0: it's enough. Very true. This could be penance. Penance. Um, okay. Now I know you have a weird thing. I say weird because it's not what I do. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to initiative with Nat 20s, Oh yeah! Why don't you tell me about that.
1: Um. So another thing. So technically, nat twenties don't mean anything in initiative order, but I still kind of like to reward it. Um, if you get a nat twenty on initiative, this is kind of like a little homebrew thing you can maybe do. Um, that person goes first, regardless of what everybody right. else rolls. Like, no matter what, yeah. even if they have a crappy dax and their uh, you know, initiative's only like a twenty-two as a modifier, somebody technically could beat it. I still give them yeah. the first turn.
0: I respect that. Do you hold that specifically for players and not monsters? Yes. Or? Uh, <laughs> I'm
1: just I'm
0: thinking, thinking of that thinking. one player who like maximized their initiative bonus to always go first. Maybe like has a class that has benefits. Like I'm pretty sure I uh, do like assassin the same
1: across the board. And if it, I rolled like a
0: 31 just, and you're like, technically this gorilla rolled a, a a nat 20 20. but has a a plus one I'd be like 21 and 31 you're going to let him
1: go Mm -hmm. first Mm -hmm. yeah and that and it would I would rule it that way and then the if they complain I'd be like okay or I could just take away nat 20s for players because it's you know you got to keep it fair across the board like you know if you're going to give it to you know if you're going to give the players an advantage you also should give yourself that same advantage just to balance the playing field. Because if you don't do that, you're going to wind up stacking the odds really against yourself in the future. And it's going to make combat kind of dull and whatever, because your players are just going to walk over anything.
0: Yep. 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 Take it from us from experience. Um, that's why I'm a big proponent. I'm actually, this, I'm so weird that I have to do this right now, but I'm announcing my candidacy for president 2024. I'm running on a platform. That's all about giving, uh, monsters and NPCs death saving throws.
1: <laughs> oh my god! I that's my no, whole platform. No, <laughs> no, I refuse. Liz Taylor. Oh my god! I, no way! I've run a, a combat wise, with. I've run a combat with forty goddamn enemies. Hell no! <laughs> Hell no! Listen. Okay, guys. If, if I'm elected I'll, if I'm, I'm elected president, check in with you, you in twenty have minutes have after I'm running rolling all these goddamn death saving throws. Listen,
0: <sighs> when I'm president, you're not gonna need forty enemies because death saving throws exist, you're only gonna need twenty. It's gonna change the game. And also, uh my vice president, healing more healing potions for the enemies.
1: Oh no. Yeah, no. This is this is <laughs> awful. This is Oh my so gosh, added, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna find out who's <laughs> running Against you and go vote for them I'll tell you <laughs> where, from are find it. Are Both of those awful
0: I got endorsement by Bing Of course you did Of course you did And fr- and the the soda beverage that tastes like Grapefruit, Fresca <laughs> <laughs> Those are my two big sponsors
1: <laughs> God damn Fresca
0: <laughs> Dude, Fresca is where it's at
1: I mean, it's okay
0: It is the best I mean, they're lobbying D&D, huh? <laughs> <laughs> they sure are They're getting Jeez. into big D&D <laughs> <laughs> I'm the face of big D&D uh, We're right up there with big oil, big lotion Ah uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's a conspiracy, man. We'll talk about it another time. We have to another time, on. another
1: time. Yeah, yeah. We got to keep going. Um, I th- if you want to, if you want to learn more, email us. <laughs> yeah. So you want to be a dm at gmail.com. So yeah. After uh, initiative, we're done. We're done. I think we're done talking about initiative. We've been yeah, not we, talking yeah. about initiative for the last ten minutes. Um, let's see. Um, so after initiative is figured out, now it's your turn. What can you do? on your turn.
0: Thank you so much for asking Taylor. Um, when it's your turn in combat, you have a couple of resources that you get to spend through. They include, but are not limited to
1: <laughs> movement. Kind of are limited to,
0: Hey, I didn't have to, and I didn't have to interrupt you when you were talking. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> <sounds> totally cool. <laughs> I'm joking. Okay. You got movement, you got action, and you have bonus action. And sometimes when it's not your turn, you also have something called a reaction. So those are the four big things. When it's like, all right, it's my turn. What do I want to do? The way I think about it to simplify things is like, all right, number one, what action is my character going to take? Then what movement? How much is my character going to move on the board, on the map, with all the bad guys, blah, blah, blah. And does my character have any bonus actions? If so, which one makes the most sense right now and do that. And then I know my reactions that my character's capable of. If something happens that triggers that reaction, whether it be an opportunity attack or some kind of spell, whatever, then I can take that. Then when it comes back to my turn again, I can do it all over again. And that's like the most elevator pitch of what you can do on combat. But there's so much
1: more detail. So the big thing is you only get one of like one of these each per turn. So like you can do one action, you can do one bonus action, you can move up to your movement speed, but that's it. And then like you can't backtrack or anything, and then you get one reaction. Your reaction refreshes at the start of your next turn. So you only get one per turn. Exactly. Movement's pretty self-explanatory. Um, bonus actions there's a lot of class features that are generally your bonus action. Um, there's a handful of spells that you can do. Spiritual weapon, uh, Misty Step, stuff like that. Um, healing Word. Healing Word, yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah, bonus actions are sick. They're just like quick yeah. little things you can do. They're very helpful. You get one every single turn. Might as well use it if you do have something that is useful. Yeah. It's also uh, inspiration for Bards. I should have known Mm -hmm. that. I play a bard. And then reactions happen sort of like in between turns kind of or like during somebody else's turn. For example, just to make it a little simpler, one of the most common reactions is an opportunity attack. So if you're right up next to a monster and you move out of its melee range, how far it can reach, then you have triggered the reaction for that monster, which is an opportunity
1: attack. Which basically is what it sounds like you it tries to attack you um players can do this too there's also a couple of other fun reactions like um like I was your favorite shield. one shield shield is my absolute yeah. favorite spell a hundred percent it is, is so <laughs> broken and so delicious um basically just raise your a c by five
0: yeah i it's for you, it's delicious. For the DM, it's no Fresca. <laughs> you know what Dude, I mean? Get back it's not that great. <laughs> Whereas Fresca? Delicious. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely, yeah, there's some spells. There's some, uh, obviously, the opportunity attack. There's all different kinds of things that can be triggered due to reaction. Yeah, not every character gets them. It kind of sucks when you don't. But other than the opportunity attack, like technically everyone has the option to do that. Of course, if you're good at melee, then it's better.
1: Yeah. But there's no ranged, uh, ranged opportunity attacks. No. Um, but yeah. And then let's, let's get into the real, the real meat and potatoes of the, uh, the, uh, turn here. The action. Oh, baby. This is the entree. If this is this is the thing that you're doing. This is my character's doing one thing this turn. It's this is why you're in action.
0: This is why you came to Thanksgiving. This you is came it. here for the main course. Mm. Let me ask you this: Does your family do turkey or ham? Yes, both. Yeah, bold, <laughs> bold move, bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. Oh,
1: it does! <laughs> it does. <laughs> We're not
0: a ham family. I so I was curious.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I. I love ham and turkey together. It's delicious. I like it. My makes mean, crab meat too. Hell yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. I went to school near Baltimore. I'm all about crab meat. Hell oh, yeah. Old Bay crab cakes, a grilled cheese that has like crab dip on it. Oh boy. <laughs> now you're talking,
1: <laughs> but, <clears throat> but yeah, so actions, uh, I'm going to run through what the different actions are in the book, and then we'll come back to them and kind of uh, one-by-one go over them. Um, But as your action, you can dash, you can disengage, dodge, help, attack, hide, use an object, or ready an action. Yeah, so that's what you can do, and you're pretty much limited to those things as an action. Um, There are you know, some homebrew things that you could maybe do. And like, uh, but basically everything you, like all the major things that you would want to do with your turn are covered under one of these aspects. Um, Dash is pretty pretty self-explanatory. You just get your full movement again. So if your movement is 30 feet, it's now 60 feet. If it's 45 feet, it's now 90 feet. If it's 90 feet, it's now 180 feet. Yeah, and yeah, oh yeah, that is a totally legitimate right. build that you can do um, where you can just move um, everywhere.
0: <laughs> can really come in clutch. Yeah. Because sometimes combat starts and you're far away, mm-hmm. and now you can get there so much faster. I can't tell you how frustrating it is sometimes when you're like, and it's like, all right, Justin, what do you want to do for your turn? And you're like, dude, you know I'm dashing. I'm so far away. Like, yeah, none of my spells oh my even God. hit at this point. Dude, that
1: one combat, <laughs> that one combat, I just spent the entire time running <laughs> the whole way up that fucking tree. Oh, yeah. That but, one was rough. That So, the plan was supposed to be the druid turns into a giant eagle and flies me up there with, you know, we were going to, like, basically there was going to be a polymorph and flying eagle thing and then, you know, everybody just flies up to the top and, you know, we sort yep. it out there. Instead, he turned into a rhino?
0: Uh, I think so.
1: And tried to climb a tree.
0: Yeah. Yep. It was, I think, a rhino. Um, mm. Yeah. Was it, wasn't, <laughs> worked out for me. Yeah. Like, yeah, they have to go through the guys and then it's a race up the thing. Even though that, though, it's so hard when you find a map. And you're just like, all right, I got to run with this map. And then maybe I should have studied the map better and thought of what you guys could do. Because I kind of was just like, you guys were like moving up the thing so fast. And I remember just being like, all right, well, they, all they had to do is pass this person. And then they could never deal with them again (laughs) because they're so (laughs) slow. And I was like, this isn't working how I thought. Some things worked. I mean, it was fun. I was really the other
1: the other option was I was just gonna grab Phallus and Dimension Door up to the top. Honestly. Or Phallus and I were both gonna grab somebody and each of us would and then we would have one person left behind, I think, to make their way up. Yeah. Worked worked for Sabbath. Um okay. Kinda. So
0: dash moves you all over the board. Yep. Disengage is going to let's say you're in that melee range. And you want to move out of that range, but you don't want to risk an opportunity attack. How do you not get that opportunity attack to be triggered? You disengage. So that means that no one can hit you with opportunity attacks on your turn as you move away from them. And that could be life or death. Yeah. Sometimes you have to make that hard decision where you're like, very few classes and stuff like that will get disengaged as a bonus action, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Same as dash, same as um, hide. There's a couple of other ones. But when you're needing to disengage, it's like, do I use my action? Because I, I wanted to use my action to attack or to cast this spell or yada yada. But sometimes disengage is what you have to do Yeah. because you can't risk the opportunity attack. You need to move away. You don't
1: have much health left or whatever it may be. And, oof, man. Another way to avoid taking damage is the dodge action. So um, nice.
0: That's a nice transition.
1: Basically, what that does is it makes any attack rolls against you have to be rolled with disadvantage. Um, It's a great way to avoid getting hit, especially if you have somebody with a really high AC, which we'll get into in a minute. Because I don't think we've talked about it yet, but when you're when you have a really high armor level and you use the dodge action and everything's rolling at disadvantage to hit you, it's you're basically impervious to damage. It's great for tanks. It's great for a lot of things. Um, it does mean you're restricted in what you can do for that turn because that is your action. Your whole you're spending your whole action to make yourself harder to hit.
0: Exactly. And then
1: what's to say an enemy is not going to just turn away? go attack something that's easier which might be the point yeah might be the
0: yeah draw their attention get them to go away from you dodge can be really helpful i don't think it's very used very often Mm -mm. except for maybe monks because they can do it as a bonus action yep but it could be really clutch cost key point though it does cost key point could have flurry of blowed could have flurry of blows how do you say that in past tense? Anyway, could have used the ability flurry of blows. There you there. go. <laughs> <laughs> Just bypass it entirely. I love it. Yeah. Starting a sentence, not knowing where where it ends. Um. All right, that leads us to help. I need somebody help. No, the Beatles will definitely sue us. Never sing that.
1: <laughs> I was not planning um, on it. <laughs> Definitely don't have the rage myself. That was
0: was really to myself, but I think thank you for chiming in. Um, So, help. Help, yep. This is going to be something that you can do a couple of things with. So, the help action will one allow you to give advantage to an ally making an ability check, but you can also use a help action to help a ally in their attack if you are within 5 feet of them then you can do that the idea being if me and taylor are standing shoulder to shoulder and we're both fighting the bad guys i can give him the help action that will look kind of like you know doing a feint attack or like drawing the bad guys attention to me or something therefore resulting in taylor getting advantage on his attack making
1: him a little bit more likely to hit uh, and this one is, uh, comes up a lot outside of combat because you, you sure still get all of these things, um, outside of combat as well. Like you can technically dash and disengage and dodge and all that stuff. But again, not really, doesn't really come up mechanically until you're in combat, but help action is pretty big. Um, right. When you're out of combat too, because you know, if you're one of your party members is making a ability check or something like that, you can give them advantage, I generally will make the players explain how they're helping. I know you do that right. too. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes it's like your character, they're trying
0: to pick a lock and you're like, your character has no business helping. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you, how are you helping? And they're like, I'm cheering them on. And you're like,
1: I don't know if I'm going to give that one. <laughs> I, I cheat. I say I use the light can trap just to, that's always the way.
0: Um, yeah, I think it's funny. Uh, and sometimes people will ask to help or they'll ask to give guidance is a big spell that's similar to help mm. in the sense that like people use it all the time. Baldur's with, Gate uh, anytime we do a friend it. friend is making a, I know, oh, yeah. that, I know it does, but sometimes it doesn't specifically unless <laughs> you already have it cast on you. And that's when things are snap decisions like they're mm. happening on the fly as opposed to planning them. I yeah, think that's an important note. Because it's like, yeah, you're picking that lock. Your friend probably can't help you with the light cantrip. No problem. But, like, this, like, insight check that I'm asking for you randomly during an RP scene, no, your friend can't help you. They don't know that you're making it. You right. didn't even know that you're making it. Right. depending on how you roll, you never would have actually <laughs> known that you made it. You have no idea. <laughs> Same with perception. It's not like you roll bad and then your character's like, hey, guys, I think we should just keep our eyes peeled. <laughs>
1: it's like
0: no, you didn't see anything. You have no idea, or like a saving throw. That's my favorite. Is when you do a scrying saving throw on, on a party, Bro. and You're just like, let me get it. Let me get that wisdom save. And you're like, all right, cool, thank you.
1: And, then and that's you it. Move on. And that's it, dude. The ominous, the ominous saving throws. Just, just to spice, spice the game up. You don't even have to put any rules on it. Just have them roll. Just be like, hey. Make a wisdom yep. safe for me real quick. Nothing could happen. I know. Whatever. And then whatever they, whatever they say, say, all right, cool. Thanks. And just move on with your story. It's going to, it's going to yeah. eat them alive. It's going to eat them alive. It's gonna eat them alive.
0: <laughs> and that's what, that's what we're all about here. Yeah. <laughs> and so you want to be a DM torment your group. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have some fun with it. Really um,
1: do. D- do a little
0: dance. um all right so now our next probably we talked about how like the action is kind of like the biggest thing uh but this is probably one of the most prevalent things inside of actions yeah like of the actions this is probably one of the biggest ones
1: yeah attack
0: so exactly
1: do the attack action um and so a lot of times once you get up into the higher levels you'll also get what's called a multi-attack. Basically that means that you can use the attack action and attack twice in that exact wording. When you take the attack action, you can't do, even though you have two attacks that you can do, you can't use the other attack to do another action. The second, if you do one of the attacks, as long as you start your attack, if you want to continue doing your attack, now you can split it up between uh, other enemies and you can move in between your attacks. So however you want to do it, you don't have to just stay put and make two swings, but you do have to take two swings. You can't do like an attack and then the dodge action. It doesn't work like Correct. that.
0: Correct. Yeah. When you're figuring out what action you want to take, the action is attack. Right. And then sub attack, There is. I attack once or twice Right. or if you're a fighter, you can get up to way more times, <laughs> but yeah. Monks and can hit a bunch. Monks can also hit a bunch. Well, I think they can only attack twice, not including bonus action. True. Stuff, if we're true, just true, talking true. action, cause you're right. There's bonus action ways to attack as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and there's so many, we could do a whole freaking episode about that.
1: <laughs> and we will later. <laughs> and we will, um, uh, <laughs> So,
0: and, how does an attack
1: work? Okay. So, you say, I want to attack that thing. And you'll roll a d20, and you will add whatever specific modifiers to that d20. Um, generally, for an attack, you're going to be adding your strength and or de- Well, not and or. Strength or dex modifier. Oh, okay. Um, All right. Well, that's a dirty 20, then. That's a, did you add your proficiency bonus?
0: I did. I subtracted. You sub? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Why? How would I get 20? I got a 19. <laughs> you got a I added 19. added one for dexterity.
1: Okay. And then you also get to add your proficiency bonus to that for the attack.
0: Oh, hot dang. All right. We're in the upper. We're in the uh, upper. We're in the lower 20s. Though. Lower 20s. All right, cool. I don't know what my proficiency nice. is.
1: So then you're going to take that score and you're going to say upper 20s. And I'm going to look at my character look at the stat block for my monster and it'll have this little thing it says ac armor class that is the number to beat say the ac on most i would say a standard kind of common or whatever is an ac of 10 um that is your basic most things can hit that if i mean even on a d20 it's pretty easy to hit a 10 um so if it's higher than a 10 or if it's a ten or higher, if it meets the armor class, it beats the armor class. So ten or higher, you hit, and then you're able to roll your damage for whatever weapon you're attacking with, or your unarmored, unarmed attack. Then yep. those, dam- those damage points are subtracted from the total hit points for uh, whatever, either the player or the monster, whatever is being attacked. Exactly. Yeah. And that's how it works.
0: All of your attacks will have like there's like even below attack there would be a subset of things where like when you're looking at your character sheet or like a monster stat block or something like that it'll say like plus six to hit that's how much you add to the d20 which is determined by what taylor was mentioning proficiency and some kind of one of the modifier stats and then there's like range Like different attacks have different ranges, like how far you can reach with that item, whether Mm. it's a fist with a monk or a bow, an arrow with a ranger or a spell with a wizard. Because attacks and stuff like that, even though attack and casting a spell are very much two different things, sometimes it's kind of like hitting that same Chunk in my brain, at least when I'm thinking of that, yeah, like, I would almost it, put cast spell under attack. Except it doesn't fall under the multi attack thing. But in like, unless you're at a warlock,
1: the slot of my brain. Warlocks technically get multi attack with a spell. It's a Eldritch Blast, but yeah, yeah, because that
0: spell is written interestingly. Uh-huh. Like you know, all cantrips will say like, oh, when you reach level five, then Sacred Flame is this many d8s, but Eldritch Blast, instead of increasing from 1d10 to 2d10 or something like that, Mm -hmm. it just increases it from one beam to two beams. Okay. And then three and then four. So it's like... So that's an Eldritch Blast thing. That's not a Warlock thing. So, like, um, actually, Eldritch Blast, you're only casting it once. It just splits into multiple rays. Gotcha. When you hit higher levels. But... I just think that, like, wait, what do I think? Why what? did I start the sentence
1: that way? <laughs> You're thinking I'll about that out. Eldritch Blasts and such.
0: Yes. So, like, most of these attacks, assuming you hit, um, they're going to have damage, and that damage is going to hit the health of the creature, that being d- divvied up in hit points like every freaking video game that you've probably ever played. That's pretty simple. And then now as president, I personally, I want monsters to have death saving throws when they hit zero hit points, Mm -mm. but that's not the current administration's feelings. (laughs) They want (laughs) monsters to die when they hit zero hit points immediately. No death saves. I think that is absurd. It's a new age. President Justin. Okay, well,
1: we've been it. saying this word "death save." We've been bandying it, bandying it about. All right. What is a death save?
0: That's. It's on my website, actually. It's on. Your, I will say. It, uh, okay. I'll, I'll say. Okay. Good. Thank
1: you. Thank you for Don't worry. <laughs> explaining. Don't worry. Uh. So death save. Hold on, he's hold on. He's got to open Bing real quick. <laughs> How dare you!
0: Just crack open a fresca. <laughs> <laughs> so death saves are when a PC, a player character, reaches zero hit points. That means that their character is not dead, just unconscious. And I like to think, like, I, not that I like to think of them this way, but like, I like to describe it as like, picture, you're like bleeding out. Like you're in the process of dying, but you are not dead yet. When it gets back to your turn, if you start your turn and you are at zero hit points, then you have to make a death saving throw. What that means is that you're rolling the D20. You are adding your constitution. No, actually you're not adding anything. I'm so sorry. It's a straight D20. Just a straight D20, no modifiers. And if you hit a 10 or above, that's a success. If you hit a nine or below, that is a failure. The idea being you want to hit three of those first. You're either going to hit three successes first, in which case you are stabilized st- and you're no longer dying. Right. You're still or, at zero
1: hit points. You're still unconscious, but correct. you're not dying. Right. Or. Yeah. As long as you don't take any more
0: damage, you're f- pretty much fine. Right. Obviously someone will eventually heal you. I imagine if you're a One good would, party member, but yeah. <laughs> pull your weight, you know, anyway, anyway, <laughs> Um, I'm just kidding. We I, we want here, here. We want everyone to have death saving throws. But um, so but then if you, excuse me, if you hit three failures first, that means that you're dead, dead,
1: dead, dead. That's it. No more. You're making a new character. No bueno. Now, obviously
0: making a new character or you're going to have a conversation with your DM about how you love that character and you're really sad to see him go. And maybe your DM will have the style of game where it's like, all right, I guess the other characters are going on a mission to resurrect you. Right. (sighs) But that's like a whole thing that probably should be talked about in like session zero or at some point during the game before the death happens. Like, yeah, what to expect, you know? I personally haven't experienced character death except for like my character dying. I've never as a DM killed a character outright.
1: Uh, I don't think I've ever had the pleasure. I don't don't think I've ever killed a player either. I don't like it. It just feels bad. I'm not a big fan. Yeah, I do
0: feel bad. I feel really bad about it. Sometimes I genuinely like, I get it. I get why it's in the game and why like it sometimes should happen or, or like it can be a good experience in the long run yeah but like i get you know what i mean i'm just like outside of the box and like my having like an out-of-body experience like i can see why it's good for some people yeah so i can here, see the benefits so there
1: are some ways for me? as a dungeon master if you do say you do want to kill you know kill your pcs a couple of things about death saving throws that you should know um if somebody's on the ground making death saving throws and you walk up and hit them with an attack sliced or whatever with an attack that is two automatic failures autumn. They just lose two fails. So if they're already at one failure and you walk up and you hit them with your sword, they're full dead. Um, another thing, um, ranged, a uh, ranged attack is one failed save and any kind of like, I think falling or like, I don't know if that was a homebrew thing or if that's actually how it is, but like, if you're like falling and you die and then you hit the ground, that's, a, that's a failed save. Pretty much. If you take damage in like a weird inadvertent way, kind of it's a failed save. That's paddling. Mm-hmm. That's a bad <laughs> that's paddling. Uh, but yeah, so just things to keep in mind that there are things to, if you are actually want to make the situation dire, you can attack them while they're making death saving throws and force failures.
0: Exactly. Which could change everything. Even mm-hmm. taking just that one failed from some unlikely way. Like if the monster's first attack, as we talked about multi attack, if their first attack puts you to zero, then their second attack could immediately start giving you de- failed death saves. Right, and then boom, it comes back to your turn. You, no one else has had a turn. There's no chance for healing. Now it's your turn.
1: You have one throw. Put left. up or
0: shut up. <laughs> right, and it's all based on the dice. Now you have a slightly better than fifty percent chance of mm-hmm. succeeding, because it just is because at ten. You're to starting 20. at ten as opposed to eleven. Yeah, um, so ten or high at double digits, and you're good. Uh-huh. Anything lower, you're bad. But we talked also at the very top of the episode about critical successes and critical oh, failures. Yeah. And that is never more true. Yeah. Never more true than during a death save. Right. The whole table will either the highest of highs or the lowest of lows. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 So lowest of lows being uh nat one net to you two failures. Once again, bad times. Indeed. Oh man, nothing is scarier than rolling a one on your first death save. Oh man, then you're under the gun. It's
0: dire from then on, big Um, time. Yeah, you have no buffer because it's like so hard not to like sort of meta um uh death saves a little bit. You know, like have you ever been in this situation where like your friend is down and you're like, nah, they they have they're at one success, they don't have any failures. Like I'll heal
1: next round. I have. I definitely have. I, yeah, you know, I like, I want to be like, oh no, I'm a good faithful her- cleric healer. And it's like, it's really hard not to take the 72 damage when I can get it. Yeah. You know? No, I would.
0: Yeah. You would get <laughs> I get it, man. I get it. I played a uh, grave cleric for a little bit, which mm-hmm. I, I want to play again so bad. I loved that character, Lilith. I uh, remember her. Oh yeah. I played yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. a young <laughs> elven girl who was a grave cleric and was just like, had no memory of who she was, where her, what her past was. Woke up with a bunch of Raven queen iconography and weapons and cleric shit. And then like, what had a fascination with death and I, people would be like very low hit points, but I'd be like, I'm saving my things because grave clerics have an ability where if the person's at zero and you heal them, they automatically get max healing. So oh, it right. just it kind of it was like I know I can heal them, but like the amount of damage that this bad guy's doing, like it makes sense to just let them hit zero. <laughs> and I felt weird doing it. Being right. like, I know you're at five hit points. I get it. I get I'll it.
1: Just wait. I'll get you next time.
0: I know it's like if I roll badly on a healing word, like right. <laughs> there's a chance that I'll do more. I'll do way more healing. Oh yeah. Uh,
1: if you're already at zero. Especially if you go high level with it. That's my favorite thing to do with, Big time. you know, guaranteed max. Like I do, like I was just talking about, guaranteed max on a six level dish witch bolt seventy two damage. Which, yeah, and so being able to max out on an upcasted spell, oh, it's the best.
0: Yeah, um, I can't even imagine. Um, but okay, I so think that's, that covers. Oh, that. let nat twenties really quickly. Yeah, on a death. Oh, save. nat twenties so right. If you get. Yeah, if you roll a nat 20 on a death save, you immediately gain one hit point. So not only are you not dying, but you're actually awake and could continue the battle. Now you are prone, which just means it's like a condition the same as poisoned or exhausted or any of the other conditions. So if you're prone, it just means you're on the ground and you have to use your half of your movement To stand back up and then you still have whatever else. Mm. And it's important to note that death saves happen at the very start of your turn. So if this happens and you wake up, your turn begins. Right. Like you still have your whole turn. So you can use half that movement, stand up, use the rest of your movement to get away. If you don't have that opportunity attack, which again is a reaction, then you you can can use a bonus action healing word, heal yourself use an action to disengage your wounds yourself or something or disengage all of the things that we've talked about. Yeah. We're so close to understanding all of combat. We don't even have to record any more episodes. We've done we've it. We've
1: done it. We've done it. We're just going to, we'll call it a we, mini series. taught combat. Taught. Ta- well, oh, I guess no, there are have, a couple more. We still have some actions. more stuff to talk about. Um, Cause that was right. just attacks and we got off on a real side tangent there. Uh, hide action. Uh, this huge. is uh, yeah, it's huge for rogues and stuff like that. I feel like we can get into it more in depth when we get into rogues. I want to say, um, but short term wise, basically, in order to hide, you have to have broken line of sight with the thing that you're hiding from first, and then yep, you will roll a stealth check and against their passive perception, right?
0: Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Unless like very specifically, and this is only true for unless on the monsters turn, that monster decides to use their action to make a perception check. Right. Or like dragons have a legendary action. That's a perception check. That would be the only time that you're rolling the perception to try and beat that stealth. Otherwise the person who's hiding Makes a stealth check, and yes, it's compa- I believe it's compared to the passive perception of that monster. Almost like a DC.
1: Right. So you just have to hit a decent number, and you know if you're a stealth build, that's really easy to do. I mean, you can get a plus 9 by level 4. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, really easily. There's a whole different um, thing about like being able to hide is really important, too, because it's like you might ask... Why would I hide during a battle? Like, aren't I here to fight? And it's like I get I get your knee jerk reaction, Mm -hmm. but just listen to me and Taylor talk you through this for a second, just for a second, (laughs) just for just for just for some ASMR. (laughs) Anyway, um, I did get the new microphone. (laughs) Get in there. Very good. We can do it. We'll do a whole episode on ASMR. We'll talk about the silence spell. Talk.
1: about okay I can't, I can't i can't we'll do a
0: whole episode oh my we'll god we'll do that for the patreon in the future yeah yeah, we'll do a yeah whole for sure whisper like the ying yang twins did that whisper song <laughs> Yeah, yeah. you know it dude we're like the same age practically you know it
1: yeah 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 wearing one. headphones
0: oh right. yeah um okay
1: so we're so, hiding we're trying to hide we're hiding
0: the reason for that is That can give you so many different benefits. A lot of them are like class specific, like rogues. It may be the way that you activate um, your sneak attack Mm. because hide is going to give you advantage on your next attack. Because, like, obviously, you're hidden, right? If assuming you succeed on your hide check or stealth, then yeah, you get advantage on the next attack. Sometimes it will give you a different type of benefit, like uh, rogues, arcane trickster rogues being hidden can also give you like a a really huge benefit where the monster that you're casting the spell on has disadvantage on the saving throw because you're hidden. Mm -hmm. So there's like different benefits to being hidden. Plus you're you're not a target is probably the most obvious one. The
1: biggest one is like nothing can't when you're, once you're hidden, like nothing can target you for a spell or a attack or anything like that. You're just basically off the map.
0: Unless it's like accidental, like an AOE spell, but that's, sometimes you can't help that. <laughs> that that that's something that can happen in real life you could be hit it hiding and still like i don't yeah. know an explosion is still gonna get you yeah hiding is huge having it as bonus action even better mm-hmm. but regardless sometimes it takes a little bit of strategy it takes understanding the scenario in terms of like terrain like where are you where can yeah. you hide that's going to be a huge deciding factor Because I'm a big proponent of not letting players take a hide action and or bonus action when the terrain doesn't make any sense. You can't just hide in the middle of a like low cut grass field. Right. There's nothing blocking you. You Taylor mentioned it at the top where it's like you have to break eye of sight. Line of sight? Line of sight. We got
1: there. (laughs) But yeah. uh, That's what I said. Yeah, yeah, I heard you. I heard you the first time. (laughs) Uh, So now we go to our next one. Yeah, uh, using an object. This is also pretty self-explanatory. You use an object like a potion or a scroll or a lamp or a chair or something. Yeah, or like picking a lock. Yeah. You interact you know, with the like, environment in some way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah, and sometimes it it really is like a little bit up to the DM's discretion, mm-hmm. where because like obviously the phrase "use an object" is like pretty vague. Um, and I, I'll that's be honest, kind of I intentional rule book rule book. I think it's one hundred percent. I think five E is this is like the catch all ambiguous. The, the, in a yeah, lot of the ways. use
1: use an object is like the catch all. Like. I want to do something that's not fighting somebody. Exactly. Although sometimes you could be trying to fight somebody with the object that you're using.
0: Yeah, you're untying the rope that will, once you release it, the chandelier will fall. Right. Boom. That's using an object all day. So it's really like, can this be done in six seconds? How long does it take to do this? How easy is it to do this? Right. Because every once in a while, people will be like, can I take out the healing potion but not drink it? And I'm like, I'm, I'll let you do that. That's crazy. I'm, that's not going to be an action for me, like a use an object thing, because technically I guess you didn't even use it. Right. Or like opening a door, I might even allow, is assuming it's open and just like shut. It's right. unlocked, I mean. I might allow. But like for the most part, just use your best judgment. Yeah. Because you got to stay ready. Oh, hey trigger word. I see what you our did there. Action, <laughs> our next action. Our next action is ready, which is, is a little confusing because technically yeah. you're readying an action. So let's explain this a little bit. Because mm-hmm. this can get a little complicated for brand spanking new players. Mm-hmm. But this is dude, you want to talk
1: about one of this my This is advanced advanced D D player here. <laughs> advanced D yeah. playing right here is readying an action. Cause basically what it what you're doing is you're delaying your action for that turn until a specific trigger happens. You do have to specify what you're doing and what the trigger is to the DM on your turn. Like, hey, I'm readying. When this thing comes within uh, 10 feet of me, I'm going to shoot an arrow at it. And then if that thing doesn't ever come within 10 feet of you, then that action never happens. So there is that potential of getting burned, but if you kind of know, you know, this is this is why it's the advanced stuff. Is you, you once you can kind of predict how the next turn is going to go, you can set up some crazy wombo combos.
0: You really can. Yeah, once you get to know the other Both, like, the characters that your friends are playing, but also get to know your friends in combat and, like, what they're like. And maybe, like, work together and you can really set up some one-two punches that are insane. Um, And even, like, something non-magical where it could be, like, one character throws a bunch of oil and the other character throws a torch. Boom. I mean, I don't know if there's specific rules for how much damage that would do or the radius or whatever, but it sounds dope.
1: <laughs> I I'd, I'd call that a fireball spell at least.
0: Practically, I might blow it down a little bit. A yeah, spells a lot for two people because you're gonna have torches. and a well, time a dozen. Two and buying oil isn't.
1: It's two people burning. It's the two whole action. Yeah,
0: I know. Then you're gonna have somebody being like, "Can I do two attacks and have me throw the oil and the torch?" And then it gets a little hairy. Yeah, I, I wouldn't see do that. it. I I would still I say it's a that. lot of damage, but I would probably. Nerf the hell out of a... I'd probably make it, like, a burning sphere. Like okay. Maybe, or something like that. Well, okay. obviously, it's not, like, a thing that you can move around. But anyway, I just want to note that uh technically rules is written. When you're ready in action, you set up for a trigger, you can ignore that trigger. Can you? Yeah. It does say when the trigger occurs, you can either take your reaction right after the trigger... Refinishes or ignore the trigger. Oh, wait, no, that's kind of saying something a little different. That's saying that you
1: you don't have to take that action if you don't want to. If you're ready, if you're readying an action and then the trigger goes off and say you're whatever, like your party's made up with the bad guy and then they're coming over to give you a hug instead of to kill you, you don't have to stab him in the face.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I misread that. I thought that meant that you could just kind of like change almost in a way like change the trigger but, no yeah.
1: once it once the trigger's set it's set man that's that is what you're doing you're waiting for that interesting thing to happen yeah
0: I guess my note would be be sure to make your uh trigger a little vague <laughs> don't be hyper specific about it but or yes, you
1: can but make the trigger something one of the other players does that way you know there you go that's
0: uh, easier to control mm-hmm. in that sense and have some control over it But yeah, readying an action is really big. And it's very specifically readying an action. You're not readying a bonus action. You're not readying movement. This is specifically actions. So that's the only thing that you're going to have the opportunity to do when that trigger sets off. And when it comes to casting a spell, it gets even a little hairier because when you're readying a spell, your character is essentially like holding on to that magic and preparing the spell so that they can cast it like in the moment. And that means that it requires concentration. This mm-hmm. is all rules is written. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm a little lax about stuff like this, but yeah, no, but this is, re- yeah, re- this is requiring concentration. And then like, if in theory, like that trigger never happens. And we were saying like, you're, uh, you don't get to use your action cause it was you, never triggered. You still use the slot on that spell slot. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so readying spells is rough unless you know for sure that you're going to be able to do it. But it is, it is still technically concentration, so um, we'll get into it more during the spell episode because we're getting to be a little long here. But for concentration, basically what that is is you will roll a saving throw, and if you fail the saving throw, you lose the spell. You can't. It, it breaks.
0: Yep, and it's constitution constitution saving throw yeah
1: also it will interfere if you have another concentration spell up you're not going to be able to ready a spell because that will break your concentration on the other spell
0: yeah so unless you're down to break the concentration on that first right. spell then don't ready a spell right. <laughs> as your as your uh, idea but yeah those are all the actions and therefore that's kind of a quick rundown i know it's this episode is about an hour or more, but like there's a lot that's actually a pretty surface level yeah, <laughs> view of what is possible when you really start to understand the rules and then you can start adding them to your like repertoire of possible weapons to just beat the shit out of your DM. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do. I do. Once you really, it's hard to use a tool if you don't even know
1: that tool exists, <laughs> that yeah, and uh, definitely, and then, if you're wanting to be a dungeon master, you definitely need the person be the person at the table that knows at least knows most of the rules.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah, because, at least know
1: how the game's supposed to run.
0: Yep, because it's not only going to be helpful to understand kind of where your players are coming from and understanding the rules when they will come up because they will come up, but also. Just knowing how to run the monsters and how to run your side of combat because combat is always going to be one thing, party, villain, bad guy, army against another. Yeah. Two opposing sides, essentially. But that's combat. That's combat. I know we start talking about spells and I would love to get into it, but Mm -mm. that ain't this episode, baby. Not today. Today. Not today. Next episode, I'll be singing. I put a spell on you, <laughs> but not Stop. this one. You won't, you won't hear that from me on this
1: episode. <laughs> Are they less litigious Tune than the, next the Beatles?
0: Absolutely. <sighs> Absolutely. Oh my God, dude. Ringo Starr tried to take me to court, <laughs> said that I, I sullied the name of Fresca and I was like, get the hell out of here, drummer. Okay. <laughs> It was a whole thing. <laughs> it's my favorite grapefruit flavored soda. It's not a big deal. It's um, the
1: only grapefruit flavored soda.
0: How dare you? <laughs>
1: that's.
0: <laughs> I'm going to keep talking about my presidential campaign unless you wrap this episode up. <laughs> all right.
1: Well, that's all we can get into this time. <laughs> But uh, you can find us on TikTok at so you want to be a DM or you can ask us a question at so you want to be a DM at gmail.com uh, join us next time for some more dungeon master tips and or tricks. Bye. See you.